Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's the Philosopher's Stone podcast episode. What? What are we on? Are we on? What is this? Episode seven? Season two? Season two. Yeah. Season two, episode seven. Season two, episode seven. Here we go. Um, It is Monday at 11 a.m. I just woke up, Sam. (laughs) Been unemployed for about a month now. Unplanned. Unplanned unemployment, which is the worst. So I've been scraping by just trying to get through the slow, slow weeks. Otherwise, I'm going to maybe have to go back to electrical, which I really fucking don't want to. So really start start ordering concrete countertops, people. If you live in the Okanagan, <laughs> it's the future. Nice. Oh, yeah. You should get on that employment insurance. I know. I, I think that's what I'm going to have to do. I do have a couple of little like side jobs lined up electrical wise but that'll that'll be that'll be shekels compared to what i actually need a couple of comedy gigs but nothing no one's going pro anytime soon over here um yeah just been fucking sitting on my ass in the basement for what seems like the whole winter at this point oh man lots of get on that employment insurance get some get some cash yeah, I know. I'll have to. Uh, that's what my boss wants me to do. He doesn't want me to quit, and I don't want to quit. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm not going to be destitute or anything, but just boredom, you know, just boredom and feeling useless. Man, before you know it, you're going to be out on the out on the highway with a cardboard bo- cardboard sign saying "Can tell jokes for food." <laughs> I don't think that. I mean. I think I could go out there with three balls and without knowing how to juggle, spend the time on the highway, learning how to juggle and failing 90% of the time and make more money than telling jokes doing that. That is <laughs> how I feel. That's or the get like cause, Every <laughs> time you drop a ball, it's going to roll into traffic and cause a, a huge accident. It'll still make more money and people will respect <laughs> me more. That's the amount of value I think that the public puts on amateur comedy. Mm. But who knows? Maybe I do have a PA system. I can, I could, I was thinking about maybe just like putting out like, I guess an ad being like comedian available. <laughs> I can just go to wherever. Cause I can just bring this portable PA with me and yeah, go into business for yourself. That's what you should do. Grab. I mean, I've done some like house parties and those can be, those range from everywhere from not bad to absolutely nightmarish. So, mm. I mean, I'll do it. I'll fucking do it. But I, uh, maybe I'll just wait a couple more weeks and see how desperate I get before I start actually whoring myself out. How's your new job at the fancy law firm? No shortage of money over there, huh? No shortage <laughs> of work over there. No, I'm going to definitely going to have work. Um, going to get overtime pay as well, which is nice. That uh, starts on Wednesday. Oh, I'm gonna have to start getting a, 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 a salary from you for this podcast. Dude. A salary. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe now I can pay for Facebook ads, and boost this shit. Yeah, I mean, we could. Our friends at the uh, friends is a strong word, but our, uh, our <laughs> pals <laughs> at the uh, Back Table Comedy Podcast have some fancy stickers now. Some Back Table oh. stickers are pretty slick looking. Do some guerrilla marketing, start slapping them on freaking bus benches. I mean, both of, them, both of them live on the street, so 
I think they can yeah. just start slapping them around town on their commute to the bottle depot. Yeah. Um, get some merch going. Yeah. But first we need to get this. Like, I feel like now we've got a good process. The podcast is going to be the production value has gone up uh, through the use of the magical Zencaster, which is a paid service, but worth the money. That's how much we love you, our listeners. But we're willing to shovel out our own shekels while unemployed. <laughs> coming for you. So, Jordan is driving himself into poverty yeah. just to keep this podcast on the air. I am. I could be out there firing out resumes, but instead I'm in my pajamas having just barely <laughs> woken up talking to you. So nice. anything else? To, what's new with you? Mm, Toronto just got a, I guess most of on most of Southern Ontario, heck even like Northern Ontario, like Ottawa just got a huge snowstorm today, like tons of snow overnight. So ah. lots of shit is shut down. Damn, right well, that's where we were at fucking two weeks ago when I had COVID. That was the one thing that like redeeming thing is that it was like minus 25 here for like a week and a half straight. And it was just dumping snow the entire time. And I had no obligation to leave, which was nice. You know, in fact, I was <laughs> not allowed to leave. So it was, it, was, yeah. it was the one like week and a half where I really did not mind not leaving the basement because it just looked like hell out there beautiful out now all the snow is almost melted already oh really wow we've got like a a ton of accumulation like it's fell and then it it's stuck well yeah ours did too but it's just it just went from like minus 25 for two weeks and now it's above zero for the last week so you know (laughs) so weird climate change (laughs) speaking of climate change do you see that uh that volcano in the ocean freaking that was terrifying footage and like like did you see it the, like the satellite satellite imagery of that uh, volcano exploding under the ocean i did i did see that yeah i feel like there's a ton of your mom jokes that could be made here but i'm not going to go into that territory <laughs> well it's just it's what was terrifying to me is that no one like everybody found out after the fact like was there no warning was that a sneak attack a sneak, <laughs> sneak queef from mother the, nature <laughs> kaiju um yeah yeah i don't know I, I don't think there was an earthquake that but i don't i have no idea i feel like they I monitor know. these volcanoes pretty closely see i would have thought like a warning would have gone out before like i thought we were at that place technology wise as far as like predicting shit like this but i guess not i guess just a mass volcano can send a shockwave around the earth and we all just go oh shit didn't notice that was about to happen <laughs> Maybe we need the app. Maybe you don't have the app downloaded, the volcano app. Is there a volcano app? I don't know. <laughs> Eruption tracker. Just like an a, a, a air, air raid siren goes off on your phone. Uh, there was a tsunami warning for the whole West Coast. Mm-hmm. I had to call our friend Zach, who's living up in Haida Gwaii on the ocean. Zach is in Haida Gwaii? Yeah, he lives up there now. Oh, my God. You know that that place is like a paradise. Well, he love he's loving it up there. I bet. Uh, but I called him <laughs> and I was like, "You you're aware of your tsunami incoming, right?" And he he uh, he not surprisingly, he was not concerned. <laughs> yeah, he's fine. <laughs> there's no way of there's no way a tsunami is gonna like no. cause any damage from that far like, away. Well, it's a perfect time to build a raft and see if I can <laughs> ride a tsunami back to <laughs> Kelowna. Yeah. Yeah, 
Oh, brother, man, that place is amazing. Brother and him uh, live up in a cabin up there now. They shot a wolf. Really? Brother has a wolf pelt. I saw it on Facebook. Gnarly. Wow. Oh, so oh, that's where those. Oh, okay, so they're both living in Haidegui. Yeah. Well, you can't live in the park as far as you can't live in the park. So they must live like. Wonder which island they live on, the north or the south one. No idea. I've no. I, I just learned how to pronounce Haidegui, let alone understand its geography. All I know uh, is that it was so badass. It's so badass. We went on a vacation there when I was a, a kid, and it's like the northern island. You can only access it by boat or a float plane. So it's just totally pristine wilderness, like tons and tons of bears and bald eagles and Whoa, seals bears. and shit. Like I told you, I watched that new season of Alone, right? That you've oh, yeah. Alone, yeah. Grizzly Island. Holy, there's literally a grizzly bear encounter almost every episode. I could not believe that no one died that season. It was there. I've never seen so many almost deaths in a single season of Alone. Highly recommend it. If you like any sort of survival television. Mm. Oh yeah. Alone. Great show. Yeah. Can't advocate. Half of the contestants got take spoiler alert season eight alone, but half of the contestants got taken out for medical reasons. Half. Ooh. Only that's a good half, attrition rate. Only half of them tr- actually like pressed the button to leave and half of them like they got taken out for medical reasons, which is nuts. Just how like, far people can push their bodies in those conditions Mm -hmm. and their minds too yeah i mean a lot of them like it was just such a hard like it seemed like food was incredibly scarce where they were and like all the bears are eating it (laughs) yeah well and then when they did find food the bears were trying to steal it from them the whole time right (laughs) so it's like you catch a fish that you haven't eaten in like three weeks except for like little cranberries you find and then uh, you get so excited about this fish and you wake up the next morning and like an eagle ripped it out of your tree and threw it on the ground yeah. or a bear ate it. And, and That's a show I want to see. Team human versus team bear. And they have to like compete <laughs> for resources. I've been, I've been having, I don't know like what, but like in the last like six months, I probably had three or four dreams where that was the exact premise was uh, I was in a group of humans that were under attack by like a group of organized bear trucks. <laughs> Where they would like sneak attack us in our hideouts, crazy. Man, a bear sneak attack—that seems hard to believe. Well, you don't want these motherfuckers organizing, that's for sure. Could you imagine if they were pack animals? How terrifying oh, the wood would be. If bears could figure out how to make those pyramids, where like like a bunch of them stand on the bottom, and then the other ones get up on top of them, and then and then they could make like a pyramid and like move around, they could easily get into like second floor windows and, and, and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> They're all freaking used to be in high school cheer. <laughs> They're just tossing circus bears. <laughs> circus bears. Their leader is a used to be a circus bear, and he's he's got a <laughs> vengeful heart against humanity for watching and forcing him to perform all the time. Oh yeah, now he's going to use all the tricks against us. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's like a in the what movie was it? The Golden Compass wasn't there? Like a tribe of polar bears that were like. Yeah, there's like sentient polar bears that live in yeah. the north, and they wear armor and shit, and they're they're pretty dope, and they can talk. They're pretty sweet. Yeah, that was like the uh, the uh, antichrist version of Narnia, wasn't it? 
It's like they, that's what they used to. We weren't allowed to read that book in our Christian high school because it was like at the end they apparently like kill God or something. Yeah, they kill God. Um, he's like this old man in like a glass tank that's like keeping him alive. They like they kill him. <laughs> <laughs> was it actually written in a response to uh, to Narnia, the, the Chronicles of Narnia? Um, I don't know if it was written in response to Chronicles of Narnia, but it is definitely like a conscious atheistic like kid series. And it does, it does, it's not just like atheistic, like Harry Potter, I guess, where there's not, I don't think there's like God in Harry Potter, but like, I wasn't allowed to watch that either. Yeah. Golden Compass is like anti, anti God, anti religion for sure. The villains are like a, like a religious order. <laughs> Aren't they? Aren't they always though? Aren't they always? <laughs> yeah. All right. Really, the good guys. <laughs> Sam, I regret to inform you, we have zero emails to our podcast email yet again. We got one from Google. They updated their terms of service. We can read that on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. It just means people like are, we're answering the questions before they can even think That's of them. That's true. We're That's so why I know that there is no there's no questions to be asked. We cover yeah, it all. Prescient. But if you want, if you want to write in, we are at tpspodcast420 at gmail.com. Okay. Send them in. Flowing. I want them flowing in. <laughs> Let the messages flow. Yeah. Yes. It can be about philosophy or it can be about anything, anything. Talk me off the ledge. If you just want to talk me off the ledge every week, that would be yeah. nice too. Send Jordan financial advice. <laughs> <laughs> 30 years old, have no idea how to build any amount of wealth still. <laughs> Crypto.com. That's where you go. <laughs> I got some crypto. It's gone up and down about $300 for the last year. So it's... It's um, next time it's up. I'm just taking it out. Like uh, it's, it's ridiculous how like one day you're in the green and the next day you're in the red in the green in the red. And ultimately you just have the exact same amount of money you started with. I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah, I did it for funsies. Anyways, this is a philosophy podcast. What are we talking about today? Sam. Well, today we are talking about mental imagery. Close your eyes and imagine an apple. I'm astro projecting right now. <laughs> yeah. So today we're talking about mental imagery. Our source is the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy article written by, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, Bence Nane, the University of Antwerp. Antwerp. Where's that again? Is that Scotland? Netherlands, I think. South, South Africa. I think there was like a big World War II thing that happened there. Antwerp. Antwerp. Is that where the the uh, the insult twerp came from? They were all scrawny little nerds. <laughs> De- yeah, you're definitely. Ant, you're a twerp. Twerp. Yeah, I wonder where twerp came from. That's a good question. <laughs> twerp. Okay, yeah, we should do another episode and we look at the histories of weird words. Anyway. Um, happen, <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's probably not going to happen. <laughs> Twerp. All right. Uh, yeah. So mental imagery. Um, However, we do have the ability now to play audio on the podcast. So if you have any like quotes from famous philosophers that you want to hear, like that you want, we want to hear it out of their own mouths, you know, or something like that. Yeah. I don't think poetry. any of them. 
And he I don't rapped. think they recorded themselves. What are you talking about? Plato didn't record himself? No. Shit. Well, well, he may have like spoken into a bottle and then put a quirk in it, and then maybe okay. if you uncorked it, you hear and the one echo. One more side before we get into the lesson. Have you heard about this ability that you can people can take footage from back before the recorded sound? Like they can see. So I think the one example was <laughs> there was like footage of a paper bag rustling next to a guy who was talking. And then they like took the footage of the paper bag and were able to take the little like movements of it to, to like produce an audio file of what the guy, what the sounds around it were at the time. That is such horseshit. I do not believe that. <laughs> okay, then let's, let's move <laughs> on. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how many times I've seen a person and then heard them speak and their voice does not match their face like at all. Like you can't, there's no way you can know just from looking at someone what they're going to sound like. No, 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 no. It, they were just purely looking at, the, I might be fucking up this entire like thing I was listening to about it, but they're looking purely at the vibrations of like a piece of fabric in the room and were able to deduce what all the sounds around it were sounding hmm. like from that. It does sound kind of ludicrous now that I'm saying it out loud. Well, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because that is actually similar to a kind of mental imagery that we will talk about, which is uh, called amodal completion. So in this case, it's like a sound, right? Where you like, you see a, an image without the sound, you will sometimes imagine the sound corresponding to the image even though you're not getting any input of that sound. Interesting. That happens with smell for me mm -hmm. where yeah. like I will see something and I know what it, like a cinnamon bun. And then sometimes you do get, you start thinking you, you're, you're smelling cinnamon mm -hmm. or the other way around. You smell something and it calls to mind a memory or an image. Oh I, yeah. That's definitely the more common, common phenomenon. I would say. Yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting. Okay, so this is what we're going to talk about today. Mental imagery. It's an important thing to talk about because it's involved a lot. Um, like we were talking about last week, the Molly New problem, um, sort of imagining things in your mind compared to touching them. It's important for talking about imagination because how can you have imagination if you can't have mental images? And it's important for, if we remember, we used to talk about this thing called behaviorism where they denied that you have any mental contents. So for behaviorists, mental images are a big problem because if you don't have any mental content, how is it that you can sort of close your eyes and imagine an apple? Like you can do it. Yep. And the behaviorists have to figure out some way to sneak around that. So anyway, so it's an important thing to talk about. So what is mental imagery? Well, it's not imagination. Okay, did not expect that. Yeah, it's different. It's And the difference is it's like a more fundamental thing than imagination. Interesting. So imag imagination, if you think about it, is supposed to be something voluntary that you do. Like you activate your own imagination at right. will. So if you ask me to conjure up an image of an apple, I can do that on command. Mm -hmm. But mental imagery doesn't necessarily have to be voluntary. It can often be involuntary. So for like a, yeah, so there's lots of examples. Um, a good one is if you are told not to think about a pink elephant, 
you often you involuntarily think about a pink elephant. Actually, mine's coral. So coral. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, when you read a book, like a fiction book, you will sort of involuntarily conjure images, sounds as you read the book, yeah. characters, voices, things like that. Yeah, um, and then flashbacks. you see the live action movie and all of those mental images you built up about the characters and locations are immediately overtaken by whatever <laughs> the live action movie version is. Yeah, it's weird. That. That's what happened to me yeah. with with uh, Game of Thrones. You know, I had all these mm. characters and places in my head and then I watched the show and now, no, I, I can't recall what I originally was imagining in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I found that that's true with like, I find that's true with like better adaptations, like the better the adaptation, the more like replaces my original uh, mental images, like Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. Right. They're like such good adaptations. Like I think of that. I think of them when I read the books now in a way. Right. Yeah, I know. There are some where I've like, I thought my version was so much better that I just refused Mm. to imagine the, the other version. Yeah. Um, next thing that's interesting, mental imagery is not necessarily visual. So it can include, uh, the, probably the most common one that would come to mind is when you get a song stuck in your head. Um, that's like, there's no, you're not hearing anything, but your brain is sort of playing a mental representation of the song in your head. You can't get it out. Right. Yeah. Um, And then maybe another thing that you don't normally expect is that people have different experiences of mental imagery. So some people, they're called hyper fantastics. If you ask them to close their eyes and visualize an apple, they will report that the apple, the visualized apple is almost as vivid and striking as an actual apple. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there are people who are called A-fantastics. And when you ask them to close their eyes and visualize an apple, they report that they don't really see anything at all. What? That's terrifying. Yeah. Those people, uh, for some reason, I just imagine them to have a a very, very uh, weak sense of empathy. (laughs) Well, that's interesting because... A lot of people who are um, like a, something that's been common in serial killers has been that they have like these extreme fantasies where they seem more like hyper fantastics and that they live in like these crazy fantasy worlds where they're just always like having these fantasies of murder and, and things like that. That's true. And they always scribble it down on like in charcoal pencil <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. yeah but yeah it's true the a fantastics they can't they um but here's what's interesting fmri technology lets you image someone's visual cortex while they're conscious so you can actually see their brain activity as they perceive things yes so so you can hook an a fantastic up to an fmri ask them to conjure a mental image of an apple They'll say they aren't seeing anything, but on the fMRI, they will have the uh, activity in their visual cortex. Right. Of someone who is like sort of seeing an apple. 
So they so have the activity, but they don't. Question. Is there a difference between conjuring an image or recalling a memory of an apple? Right. It's it's one thing Very to conjure up a real like conjure up an original apple in your head. It's another thing to think back to the last time you saw an apple. Yeah, this is a very good question. This is uh, this is a question about the content of a mental image, and it's very controversial because, like, so here's like an example. Like, we're jumping ahead a bit here, but like, let, let's just do it. So, right. suppose you are looking at a landscape, and you see, and there's a tree and a mountain that you're you're looking at, and you shift your attention from the tree to the mountain. As you shift attention, the tree becomes less distinct and the mountain becomes more distinct. And they call that determinacy. So the more attention you're paying to something that you're looking at, the more determinate your uh, visual experience of it is because you're taking in more information to build your uh, representation in your mind. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Now Um, imagine- Wouldn't that just be called you're focusing on something? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like a more detailed way to talk about it. Okay. So when you, um, now when you do the same thing, but mentally, so you imagine a landscape, you imagine a tree and a mountain and in your imagination, you shift your attention from the imagined tree to the imagined mountain. The same thing happens. The mountain becomes sort of more vivid, more distinct. You see more details about it. Right. But why is that? Because it's not because you're you're focusing your senses on something that's going to give them more information because it's an imaginary mountain. So where is this extra information coming from to make the experience more vivid? One argument is that it's the information is coming from your memories and expectations about trees and mountains. That's what I would think. Yeah. So that actually goes back to um, sort of the beginning where we were asking like, what is mental imagery? Mental imagery is thought of as it's a representation of sensory information without any external stimuli. So when you see an apple, the experience of the apple is a representation of sensory information that's coming in through your retinas. When you have a mental image of an apple, the experience is a representation, but it's not caused by light going in through your eyes. It's caused by something else. Right. So what is the cause? My instinct would be when you're conjuring up the image of an apple, you're essentially taking all the information from a memory of an apple and like stitching it together as an entire image. Like when you, when I ask you to like hold an image of an apple in your head, it's hard. I mean, for me anyways, it's hard to like hold it as a complete image for more than like a moment, right? It's usually like I'm imagining like a flash of an apple, but to hold an apple in my head and like turn it around as a 3D image is much harder to do than just like having like kind of like glimpses of images of an apple in your head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's different. It's not as uh it's not as like solid and determinate. Right. Cuz yeah. you would have to be able to ma- ma- hold every detail of an apple the whole surface and the stem and the coloration and the texture in your mind, sustain that all that detail. Yeah, it's extremely difficult. And, but I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive. There are people who like 
spend time visualizing stuff like that. Just trying to get it like perfect, but uh, yeah, it's hard. So it's a weird hobby. <laughs> it's the secret. I'm visualizing That's what the secret's about. <laughs> really? Yeah, you visualize success. You visualize success and like specific things going well. Like say you have like a, a, a job interview. You visualize the job interview in as much detail as you can and you visualize it going really, really well. You visualize yourself like nailing everything, answering all the questions, asking good questions. And then supposedly by doing this exercise, you will actually bring about a positive outcome in your job interview. Like it'll, it'll happen the way you visualized it. That's a secret. That's a secret. There's a book. The book is called the secret. I know, but why would you, how are people not just doing this automatically? like, well, because people uh, just not mentally prepare for shit. And then, then they show up, they're surprised that it's not going well. Yeah. I think it's a little more, it, I mean, that is like the kernel of truth to it, where it is, you know, preparing mentally for something is a good thing to do. Yeah. Where it's ridiculous is where it's like, you can achieve literally anything with that technique. No, this whole idea of manifesting <laughs> your like reality, it's, it's like just a fancy say, way of saying like, hey, what do you like? Think about what you want your life to be and, and, and then try and do it. <laughs> And you'll have, if you're a hard worker, you're going to have some degree to success. It's not like some cosmic mystery. It's literally just like focusing on, on a task and, and attempting to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So whatever mental imagery is, it's probably not something that has its own causal powers on the external world, but, but we will look at some interesting things in that our, our mental imagery can have a, a lot of effects on our behavior that we aren't aware of. Um, so this, this is actually pretty interesting, um, but we'll get, we'll get to that in a bit, uh, because we still have to talk a bit about a bit more about how it works in representation. Okay. Um, so this is the interesting stuff because they can use fMRI technology to compare actual visual experiences with mental imagery experiences. So Perceptual representation sort of works like this. Your brain, your cortex is like a map. And when information enters your field of vision, it activates neurons in a particular spot in your cortex. So if you see something in your left-hand field of vision, if you see a triangle in your left field of vision, and you're in an fMRI machine, a certain part of your neocortex with certain neurons that respond to triangles will light up. So if you know someone's like neurocortex, you can look at the spot on their brain that's activating and you can say not only, you can say what field of vision is active and even kind of like what pattern they're seeing. Really? So you could look at that scan and say, oh, right there, he's looking at us or uh, he's seeing a triangle in his left. His exactly. Left yeah. Like it only like it's not something that you can do on the fly where like you can watch someone's brain and you can be like, oh, they're watching uh, the Matrix or something like you, you can't do that. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. Yeah. You can tell he's watching the fourth one by how, how not, <laughs> not a lot of the pleasure centers are. Oh, my God. Did, did you see it? I haven't seen it. No, I just keep hearing so much shit being talked about it. Uh, I've, I've heard I've heard like I've heard wildly different things. I've heard people who say 
it's their favorite movie of the year. And I hear people say just trash, like just that's, utter trash. Exactly. I've heard like 75% of people saying they didn't like it. And then a quarter of people saying they loved it. So I don't, mm. I don't know what to make of that. Yeah. that's, that's Maybe you just got to go into it thinking of it as a standalone movie and not like an extension of the rest of them. Yeah. I imagine it's, I think stylistically it's probably so different from the first three that people are upset. Well, you can tell that just by looking at the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. I got like Mission Impossible 2 vibes from the trailer. I don't remember like what the action. And Mission That's like the one with the trains, I think, and these like uh, a helicopter. I don't know. Anyway. A lot of train <laughs> scenes these days. Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man had a train scene. And the first one had a train, or the second one had a train scene. This, the one with uh, Tobey Maguire. Yeah, classic scene with yeah. uh, Joey Diaz. Yeah. You want to get to him, you got to go through me. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see the new Spider-Man yet, I assume. I know I did. I did see it. Oh, you did? What did you think? Uh, I, I, like I, like I said, like I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the like the dialogue between the three Spider Men. Spoiler! I alert. Thought that was great. Spoiler alert again. Um, but yeah, I liked it. Like I'm not a huge Spider Man fan, so I wasn't like creaming my pants every time another character showed up. But you know, it was fun. It was a fun movie. What's well, your loss, buddy? Your loss. My my full <laughs> of cream by the end. Full. <laughs> they had to nice. hire extra staff to clean up the theater. Oh god. <laughs> god. That's nasty. Yeah, people That's a great mental webs. image. People were shooting webs all over that place. <laughs> well, that was like a whole thing and that was like a whole scene was like them sort of talking about like, oh, like how does you like? Oh, you shoot webs out of your own body? Whoa! Like, where else do they shoot out from? Yeah, like, yeah. it was an instant was, <laughs> jizz joke. Yeah, very, very clear jizz joke. Yeah, um, it's about time though. It's about time Spider Man tackled I mean, that. With, I mean, with that Aunt May, how can you help yourself? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> She's freaking hot. Yeah. <laughs> hot May, the hot aunt. Yeah, Aunt Bay, I think they call her. Hot Bay. <laughs> Aunt Bay. <laughs> oh, Aunt Bay. Okay. Yeah. Nice. 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 Um, all right. So back to uh, mental imagery. Um, what were we saying? Oh, yeah. So you can look at like a map of someone's brain and you can see, you can tell from the neurons that are lighting up what kind of visual experience they're having. Like where is it in their field? And to a certain extent, like what pattern are they looking at? So like we were talking about. Um, and then the way this works is you have the visual experience is what's called a perceptual representation. So when you see a, an apple, that's a perceptual representation of an actual apple. Yes. So your perceptual representation, you attribute properties to the scene that you, that is like, again, it's a representation. So you attribute things like color, shape, size, space. These are properties that you attribute to something based on the information that your senses give you. Yes. Yeah. Sort of like, uh, like if you're doing like paint by numbers or something, you would, you get written instructions. And then from those written instructions, you can paint a, a picture and pick the colors that you want to put in based on the instructions. It's sort of like that where 
the instructions are like data coming from your your eyes and then your brain sort of paints the picture right you can sort of kind like a, of like guess the texture you can guess a lot of things about the object without even having to like interact with it just by what you're seeing yeah exactly and going back to where we're talking about attention the more attention you pay to something the more determinate the properties that you can attribute to it so if you are like not really paying attention to a tree you might not you're not really attributing properties to it because you're not getting information because you're not paying attention to it you might just sort of see like a vague vertical shape but then when you look at it closely then you get more information and you attribute more properties to it like oh it's a pine tree and oh there's like a squirrel on one of the branches you so you give more information and you can sort of again you can see in people's brains on an fmri there it'll get more active the more attention they pay to something right so you can sort of see how it's working in their brain scientifically you don't have to ask anybody and the same thing is true for mental imagery you can put someone in an fmri and you can have them imagine things and you can look at their brain. And again, this is important because like we said, individuals have very different experiences of mental images. Some people see incredible detail. Some people don't see anything. So you can't just ask people. You have to actually look at a, one of these fMRI machines. I wonder why there's a difference. Like what is it? What, 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 what can you attribute that difference to? Yeah, it's a good question. Is it like um, a, a matter of like maybe when they were growing up, they didn't have any, they didn't read, you know, they didn't, they didn't, they weren't flexing that imagination muscle by reading books, right? Yeah, um, I'm what not is like, it, is it a nature versus nurture type thing? <laughs> um, I'm not entirely sure. I don't think it's, uh, it's like. Uh, so I'm reading here, it says it could have many causes. Um, but yeah, not, not a lot of detail on the, on the causes of it. So that would have to be, would have to do more research on that. I'm just thinking like, I wonder if like imagination kind of is like a, like a muscle in the way that like, if you, you don't use it, you lose it. So like, mm -hmm. cause like I imagine reading a fantasy novel is not going to appeal to one of these, a fan a fantastic people right yeah that's a good point um i don't know it could just be it could be genetic because there are people who have like extremely vivid uh mental imagery and it's not like they've it's not like they've done like tons of training or anything well so it could just be I genetic. Mean, lots of people i'm surprised don't remember their dreams like at all which is hmm. kind of crazy to me yeah yeah, well, we'll have to look at. Uh, we'll maybe we'll do another episode. We we'll look. We're going to look more at imagination in subsequent episode. This is like a setup to talk about imagination. Oh, are we in a trilogy? Are we? Are we entering a trilogy? Oh man, I, it's way too early to say trilogy at this point. Like, I mean, trilogies are nice, but I mean, if you could do six or nine, like that's. Oh yeah, then they were talking. To, we're talking a mini series at this point. Yeah, mini series. Yeah, dynasty franchise. Franchise, holy shit! Universe. Oh. <laughs> We're gonna have so many different trilogies interlocking. <laughs> the Marvel Cinematic Universe of podcasts. 
I'm telling you, man, 10 years from now, we're going to get Star Wars and Marvel movies only. <laughs> it's gonna uh, be, don't, it's gonna be it. don't say that. They're the only movies that make any money. <laughs> don't say that. It's just where we're <laughs> it's at. It's true, though. It's, it's true. true. It's, they're the only movies that the studio can invest in reliably. Yeah. Everything the only else. way you can make any movie is if a Marvel character is, is just in that movie. That's what it is. It's going <laughs> that way. There's no, there's no, like, it's not worth the risk for the studios to do something that's not Marvel or Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. How does, uh, yeah, I mean, like, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be like a King Kong Marvel crossover. Like, uh, they're just going to start like any franchise that wants to stay relevant is going to have to dip their toes into the multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to have to do a deal. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be a cameo in this next Spider-Man movie or you're dead. Jeez. Trying to like do the next James Bond movie and like Chris Pratt shows up. Like, <laughs> Yeah. He's got his fucking raptors with him. Those raccoons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ugh. God. Um, yeah. So, okay. So yeah, like we we're talking, um, so they put people in these, uh, in these fMRI machines and they, sh- they show that mental imagery seems to be happening in the same way where you ask people to imagine things, you ask them to imagine a triangle on their left visual field and their, their brain activity is very similar to when they actually see a triangle in their left field. So it's it's actually going on. It's very interesting, um, but they don't really know. It's not really clear totally what causes the the mental image because there's no there's no information coming in through the senses. So very interesting, but that, like that's what makes me think it's probably just like memories being smashed together. Yeah, yeah, it's probably something like that. It's probably something like that. So the next uh, interesting, to, like, conjure up a completely original image, like, <clears throat> even if they're like, "Oh, I want you to imagine like a big fortress on the edge of a cliff," you're probably going to be subconsciously, you know, going through the rolodex of all the times you've seen an image of a tower on a cliff, and just kind of like using all that to make like a basic image in your head. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we'll definitely talk about that with like imagination and creativity. But the next thing, and then we can get into some of the very interesting stuff. Uh, so the format of mental imagery. So we've, we're pretty clear that the content of mental imagery seems very similar to the content of actual visual experiences. It's just the cause that seems different. Um, now the format of mental imagery. So this is, this is interesting format does not refer to the content. It refers to like the medium. So for example, consider like, uh, we're talking about adaptations, right? So consider like the movie Lord of the Rings and the adapt and the book Lord of the Rings. So they both have very similar content. Obviously there's like differences, but a lot of the content is the same. They the represent the same. Book? Uh, yeah, the movie and the book, like a lot of the, a lot of the content is the same. Frodo has to go destroy the ring. Like it's, they have the same. As I was falling asleep last night, I was listening to a guy on YouTube compare the Helm's Deep battle in the book to the Helm's Deep in the movie. So, oh yeah, Chelsea, are you, are you ready with all your nerd nerd light? Well, actually, uh, well, the actually, elves were not at Helm's Deep. 
you how know, long did he spend on that? Very significant of a battle. They, uh, they really <laughs> breezed over. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so these, so they're two different formats, but they have very similar content. And so the question is the same with mental imagery, mental imagery and, uh, and like real sensory experiences seem to have very similar content, but what about the format? So in the eighties, there was a big debate and the debate is, was whether the format is propositional or iconic. So propositional would be like the book version, like sentences are propositional, whereas the movie is images. So that's called iconic. And, you know, like the pr- a problem with that is you can't really ask people like, what do you see? Like, cause some people are going to say, I see this. And some people will say, I don't see anything. So again, with the fMRI stuff, they put people in, they look at the way it shows up in their brain. And the way, um, the way people's brains activate when they have a mental image is the same way it activates when they actually see an image. So it's pretty, pretty clear that mental imagery is actually iconic. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, so that, that's done. That's the boring stuff. The interesting stuff is how much mental imagery sort of plays a role in our daily life without us even realizing it. So I would imagine hugely like, yeah, most of what I would imagine that people do is imagine what they're going to (laughs) do. Yeah. And it's even like, it's even more, um, it can be even more fundamental than that. Like, so suppose you see a cat peeking out from behind a fence, literally looking at one right now. Yeah. (laughs) All you see is the cat's head. Yeah but you don't attribute to the cat the property of being a disembodied cat head. No. Instead, you complete the cat in your, like you imagine that there's a body and it's just hidden by the fence. And this is so interesting because again, they use the fMRI technology. They show people a cat peeking out from behind a fence and their visual cortex activates in the same way as it would if they were seeing an entire cat. Right. I mean, it would be chaos out there if people couldn't complete (laughs) the the thought of the rest of the, uh, you know, I'd be looking out my freaking basement suite window, watching people's heads bob by as they walk by thinking I'm in a, like the Halloween movie or whatever, the (laughs) nightmare before Halloween's Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's it's again it's the definition of a men- of a uh, mental image it's a representation but without the stimuli because you don't see the cat's tail but mentally you have an image of its tail just hidden by the fence uh it's a it plays a big role in our like you were saying it plays a big role in things we want to do our desires they've tested this over and over and over again if you like are trying to choose between two competing options and they're both good, but one of them, you have a more vivid mental image of it. You will pick the more vivid. Uh, you'll pick the option that corresponds to the more men- more vivid mental image. Interesting. 
So like, what would be an example of that? Like, say I wanted to go to, I don't know, would that be like a store that I'm familiar with versus the thought of entertaining going to a store I've never been into because yeah, I already yeah, know what, what one is like, what to expect at one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think that's why, like, like I have this thing where like I so often I go to the same restaurant, I order the same thing. Oh, me too. Beef dip. And it's, yeah. And it's because like you have a vivid memory, mental image of that experience. It's so vivid and it just outcompetes everything else on the menu, which you, you don't know what it is. Right. So like, that's for me, I'm the same way when I'm, when I find a, a menu item I really like at a restaurant is very, very hard for me to order anything else from mm-hmm. that restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it seems to like, like this like vividness of the, uh, of the image seems to like sort of ingrain it in, in our behavior. It's very interesting. And the last one uh, that I found that was very interesting is mental imagery. And this is similar, right? Because it, it's about bias. Mental imagery plays a huge role in bias. So in that example, you become biased towards selecting a particular item on the menu right. over time. But it also has a role in racial bias. Oh. Yes. This is where it gets This is crazy. interesting. This is interesting. So lots of studies have shown that a subject, anyone, is more likely to perceive a phone as a gun if a black person is holding the phone than if, say, a white person is holding the phone. That's not good. Right? So in this case, so right, so this happens, right? Po- police officers shoot people because they they say, like, I thought they had a gun. And then it turns out to be like a phone or like a toy or something. Yeah. And so on the one hand, you think, oh, they're just like a lying, lying scumbag. But it may actually be the case that they really did have a mental image of the person holding a gun. Well, here's an option. How about you give it another half of a second to confirm whether it's a gun or not? <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm not I'm not using this to excuse. Gun. Oh, oh shit. He was actually just it, it was <laughs> he was flying a kite. <laughs> gun. Yeah. Yeah. So in these in these cases, right, there's a visual input of a phone. But the activity in the brain is not the activity that would correspond to a phone. It's the activity that would correspond to a gun. So they'll do this in like a lab setting. They'll flash an image of a black person holding a phone. And they'll say, were they holding a gun or a phone? And people will, and they'll have the fMRI thing on. And people will, the fMRI uh, data will correspond to that person. Their brain will, the cortex will fire as if they had seen a gun when in fact they just saw a phone. So why is that? Is that just social conditioning or, or, or what's going on there? Well, I think the reason is, is that, um, and like, this isn't, this is kind of speculation, but the way the mental images work is they, uh, they start, they have to happen along with your actual visual experience. Like they happen almost at the same time. Like, like the the cat example. You see the cat peeking out from behind a fence, 
it's not like you stare at for a couple seconds, like, holy shit, a a disembodied cat head. Yeah. And then you think, oh, no, 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 I remember. It's it's just the rest of its body is behind the fence. It's like, it just, it's it's right away. It's always so unnerving when you, uh, when it is just a a disembodied cat head that's been run over by a car. Because you expect to see the rest of the body, but when you go to pet it, Jesus. It's just not there. <laughs> yeah. Rest in peace, Scratchy. Scratchy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe a cat named Scratchy shouldn't be alive, you know? <laughs> yeah. So the mental images, they happen sort of very quickly with the actual visual experience. So I think part of it is, is if you have a racial bias then it's going to affect it. It seems like it affects your mental images so quickly that it's almost like um, there's no difference for you in your experience. So, well, okay. Say that again. Say that again. So when the, when the person sees like they see a black person and the black person is holding a phone, but, they have a racial bias. Their expectation is a gun. Right. This causes them to have the mental image of the black person holding a gun instead of the phone that they were actually holding. Right. So it's like a, so I don't think, so I think like this shows like bias is like powerful. Well, because that's it can sort of hijack your mental image. Just social conditioning, right? You're seeing a bunch of images on movies and television of black people holding guns. Maybe next time you see a black person holding a phone, it's substituted with a black person holding a gun, which is not good. No, but like this is the thing, right? Like, uh, you know, they have like all they have. They've, they've there's been a controversy between. I guess like it seems more like conservatives don't like the idea that you can have an unconscious, like bias. No like this they don't but this like is clearly idea. like this is i think this shows that like you really can have that like like you might you might have this bias and it will cause your mental imagery to work in a way that doesn't correspond with reality and you you don't realize it because for you the experience is seamless that's actually scary like that like your subconscious racism can make you see things that aren't there. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's I like, it seems like it could be true. Like, I, I don't think it doesn't seem that far fetched. It does not seem that far fetched. Yeah. Especially considering like, cause it, cause it works like, uh, your mental images fill, fill in the gaps. Yeah. And you could also see it distorting the facts as well. Yeah. I mean, any sort of, uh, <laughs> that happens to, you if you've ingested any sort of substance too right like the amount of yeah. times you thought you saw something that wasn't there mm-hmm. or it was you misinterpreted the information especially if any sort of psychedelic like the amount of times i think i'm looking at like a, a an insect and i could stare at this thing for minutes thinking it's an insect until i go and actually pick it up and it turns out it's a leaf right yeah oh my god i once thought there were like these bugs like taking over our house when I was on acid and it was just like pieces of dust. (laughs) 
I mean, the amount of times I've been walking in the forest and I, I've been like on mushrooms or something, and I'm like, "Oh my god, look at this caterpillar!" and I like pick it up, and then it's like, it's like at first I thought it was a live caterpillar, then I pick it up and I think it's a dead caterpillar, and then way too many moments later, I realize it's just a twig. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this was crazy. Like, this is like mental imagery working against me. Like, I thought I had booked our apartment building's gym for 8 to 9 a.m. Yeah. on a certain day. And I thought that like all week, I thought that like I opened the confirmation email, like checked it, like, yes, 8 to 9 a.m., awesome. Show up there at 8 to 9 a.m. Someone else is using it. We get in an argument. I'm like, I booked it too. And like, I open up my phone. I'm like looking at it. I'm like, yep, this I got it, 8 to 9. And then way too long later, I realized, oh, 8 to 9 p.m. Oh, did you have to find that person and apologize to them? No, no. Like I, I left and then they were using it. It was fine. <laughs> Sound bitter about it. Today. I know. Like I just like, why? How, how did I not see the p.m.? And I think it's because I wanted it to be a.m. Yeah. And I, I just. That's the classic thing when you think it's Friday, but it's actually Thursday. Yeah. And you just feel betrayed by your own brain. Yeah, exactly. Betrayed by your own brain. It it happens. Yeah. Goddamn brains. Brutal. Anyway, that's that's all I had on on mental imagery. Well, excellent lesson, Sam. Very well done. Very well done. I learned. I got learned. <laughs> um well, I guess that's it for the week. TPS podcast 420 at gmail.com, everybody. And uh are we gonna do another episode on imagination next week i think so yeah i think we'll get more into imagination philosophy of imagination sweet all right see you next week yes see ya